Okay, the Bible reading is from Luke chapter 8, and we're reading from, sorry, <laughs> reading from verse 4 to verse 18. But uh, before we start reading, I'll ask for God's blessing on Joel as he brings God's word to us. Father God, we thank you for this time that we can meet together. Um, in spite of all that's going on around us, Lord, that uh, we can still meet together as a church and uh, read your word and uh, sing praises to you. And Lord, I want to thank you for Joel. I thank you for his ministry with us and his leadership. And I pray that as he brings your word to us and explains what you are talking telling us through this parable. I pray that you will bless him. In Jesus' name, amen. The parable of the... This is very small. <laughs> okay. All right, let's start again. The parable of the sower. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among them, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar, or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, 
even what he thinks he has, will be taken away. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, good morning, everyone. How are we going? Good. It's uh, another Sunday and another... Oh, it's a bit strange. Everything's changed again. I look out and everyone's wearing masks. and Everything's changing week by week, but it's good to be back. Like Scott said, God has not changed, and we're um, excited to get into God's Word this morning. Uh, for those of you who might not know me, my name is Joel, and it's um, yeah, really my privilege to be able to lead us as we look at God's Word. And I don't know, when Scott, shared, when Scott showed the um, Lion King there, for a moment I was just like, Oh, I'm pretty tempted to just be rugged up on the couch watching a movie this morning as the rain gently falls. Um, but I reckon what we're doing this morning is far greater than that. All right, so rev up, get excited. It's the first Sunday of the year. I don't know about you. Hands up if you're like optimistic and excited about a new year starting. All right, how many of you are a bit more like me and you? You feel like it's a bit bad to admit it, but you're a bit more pessimistic, you're a bit more anxious and apprehensive. Uh, oh, there's a few of us. Everyone, everyone in the second was a bit like this, you know? The first group was like this. Anyway, um, regardless of how you're feeling this morning, um, I want to share with you what I feel like what God's put on my heart this morning and share from this parable that possibly the, one of the most important things for our lives this year is how well we hear the Word of God. Absolutely of utmost importance, how well we hear the Word of God and then how we respond to it. And what I pray for this morning is that we would, I guess, make resolutions around that, we would make decisions and commitments around that. That would be a focus in terms of how well am I going to hear the Word of God. And so we're going to look at this parable. Um, it's one of three parables, the only ones that Jesus gives a clear uh, explanation of what it means. So it shows how important it is for us. And we're going to start sort of at the end and see the goal. And then we are going to uh, heed some of the warnings that the parable gives us and then finish with the final command and instruction. So, first up, the goal. The goal is in verse 15 there, to be good soil. If, if, if Jesus is explaining there's four sort of different types of ground, the goal, the, the one that he highlights as good is the good soil. And so the first thing that a good soil does is it hears the word of God. And as we read through this parable, the parable talks about the seed, which Jesus says is the word, when you try to read it on the screen. Eh? So get one of these real Bibles. Um, so when Jesus says the word, he's not saying Bible, but he's more meaning his message. The whole sort of complete message, it's the Greek word logos, which is used in John 1 to describe Jesus. So he's saying, my message centered around Jesus is, is the seed. And then this parable talks all about hearing. And if, if, you, if you sort of pop, Scott mentioned it as well, like that statement, he who has an ear, let him hear. But if you read carefully, every seed hears, sorry, every ground hears the word. It says that those hear the word and then the bird, the devil snatches it away. All those on the rocky soil, they hear the word, but it doesn't take root. The others hear the word, but it's eventually choked by the thorns. So it's not necessarily about physically hearing. Jesus is talking about something a bit differently here. 
Jesus is saying that those in good soil hear differently. In Matthew's version of the parable, it says those who hear the word and understand it, who look harder and understand it. In Mark's gospel, it says those who hear the word and accept it. And here, those who hear the word and hold it fast in an honest and good heart. Either way it goes, the invitation is this. Jesus is asking us to hear differently. Not just to hear physically, but to hear at a deeper level, to hear with spiritual ears, to hear with ears of faith, to hear that actually this is good news and this is what I want to believe and trust in and know. As the disciples say, you know, in John chapter 6, Jesus has an interaction with the disciples. He has a whole crowd, he feeds them, and then he talks to them about the bread of life. And in that story, thousands of people walk away because it's too hard. And his disciples go, he looks at his disciples and says, like, what about you? Where are you off to? And they said, where else will we go for you have the words of eternal life? That is hearing differently. It's hearing that, actually, you know what, this is difficult and I don't quite get every single thing, but I know that there's life here. And so I want to hear this word. I want to be good soil. This is how Marshall Segal, who writes for the Desiring God website, he says it this, Why would we bear fruit if we don't treasure the seed? The very word of the one who spoke the galaxies into reality, hearing God well in the spoken gospel and written Bible begins with the awareness that we are hearing, really hearing God himself in his word. That's what we've got to sort of conjure up in ourselves and believe and trust that actually there's life and I'm going to believe that this is good news and that this is God himself speaking. And I want to treasure that word. I want to believe in it and have an expectation and excitement about it, a reverence and an awe for what is happening here that God speaks so that we would treasure this seed, so that we would hold it fast, so that we would believe it's good news, far above all the other messages that we hear, far above all the other words that we hear in our world. We believe that Jesus is the one who saves and who satisfies and who sustains us, and so we treasure that seed. We hear it with spiritual ears. And then Jesus, in verse 15 there, it says, those who hear the word and then those who hold it fast in an honest and good at heart. Sort of the natural follow-on. If you believe that this is good news, Jesus says being good soil means holding on to that good news, to keep going. And it's the distinguishing factor between the good soil and all the others, those who hear the word and hold fast to it. And that's why I think this parable is not just about evangelism, which I think is often the context we talk about it. This is about, you know, when we go out into the world and we sow the seed of the gospel and some respond and some don't. Like, Jesus is talking to his disciples here. I believe he's talking to us, saying that, you know, that first step of believing the good news is so important. But then our lives from that point become daily steps of keep trusting and keeping believing that this is good news. It's not just a once-off thing. It's an each and every day decision to believe that this message is good news, to hold fast to it. As we go, we'll see that there are dangers. There are many things seeking to distract us and pull us away from that path. But all throughout the New Testament, we see an encouragement to endure, to persevere, to hold on.
You know, the picture is that of a marathon. You know, anyone can start a marathon, but only those who get to the end can say that they've run one. Otherwise, it's just, you're some chum who run 20K. Like, what's special about that? No, I'm kidding. It's a good effort. So we need to recognize that part of our goal is actually getting to the end, holding fast to this good news. Not just, you know, a decision I make one day and that's it for my life. Not just something that, oh yeah, I was a Christian and I am a Christian and I, I'm just doing it. Like, no, each and every day deciding to hold fast that this is good news. This is a message of life that I want to hear and I want to keep believing. And Jesus says then after that, those who do that bear fruit with patience. And that's the final part of our goal, is that we would bear fruit with patience. Now, Jesus doesn't clearly explain what fruit is in this parable. But in the New Testament, we see it used in three different ways. Fruit is used to talk about godly character, so the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. Peace is used to talk about good work. Oh, sorry, fruit is used to be talked about in terms of good work. Good works. So not the root of our righteousness, but the fruit of our righteousness. We don't earn our way into God's good books by doing good things, but because we are righteous, because we are saved, we then respond by doing good and, and worshipping Him. So it's fruit is godly character, good works, and then finally new believers. And I believe that's what God wants to do. Like, they all apply. If we believe this message is good news and we hold fast to it, I believe that God will transform our character. Believe that God will lead you to good works and God will shine and share the good news through you, that there would be new believers. And that's what we want to pray for as we head into this year. That's what we want to invite God to work in us as we hold fast to his word. And then he says, be patient. You know, maybe 2020 hasn't felt like the year where that happened and God's saying, just be patient. Jesus is a long-term investor. He is looking at the big picture and he wants you to hold on, to remain in him, to abide in him, and to keep trusting this good message. So that's the goal for us, that we would be good soil, which means we hear the word of God as good news, means we hold fast to the word of God as good news and that we bear fruit that resembles that good news. That is what God wants from us. But of course, the parable talks predominantly about the warnings. You know, that's only one soil, and he mentions three others. And they, we need to hear these warnings. And, and um, I want to give you two encouragements around all of them. We'll sort of go through them a bit. I had like notes upon notes upon notes when I was preparing this, and I could have felt like I could have preached a sermon on each one per Sunday of the year. But my two encouragements around these warnings is one, don't be naive. But secondly, don't be afraid. Okay? So firstly, we look at the enemy, Satan, the bird who comes in and who directly takes away the seed. We need to be super clear that there is a spiritual battle going on for this seed, for this word of God that is seeking to bear fruit in our lives. We need to be super clear that the enemy is working against you so that you don't hear the word, so that you don't hold fast so that you don't bear fruit. And the reason I think I need to be super clear with this is because I think this spiritual reality is very, very quickly creeps out of our world, spiritual reality, and that creeps into our lives, into our world. So we need to be clear there's a battle, there's an enemy. 
So don't be naive. As 1 Peter says, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful, be on guard. Look, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I don't know whose school's rev trip it was, but we were on safari one day. And uh, this has been a few years now where I've been on safari, so I decided to get a bit bold with my safari wish. I was like, what I want to see, I want to see an animal killing another animal. I don't know, that's a bit weird, but I just thought that'd be cool. Like, I've seen, it's a bit bold. Anyway, second game drive, we're out on this road, and we come across these lionesses who are literally crouched to the ground. And I was like, oh, they're just sleeping. A warthog is walking along. Little Pumbaa's coming away. <laughs> and there's these four, and we saw one, and then all of a sudden I saw another one. And there's another, this four lionesses spread about. This warthog just casually walking along. And then all of a sudden these lionesses pounce. They're up and they run and they chase this warthog. Now, unfortunately, the warthog got away which makes it a little bit sad for my experience there, but it makes it great for this sermon analogy because he fleed, he ran, he escaped. But the image that stuck with me is this, these lionesses who are ready to pounce, waiting for their prey, and that is our enemy, waiting for an opportunity to pounce. As Paul writes in Ephesians, he says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. And here's the thing. And give no opportunity to the devil. That the devil is seeking to take your anger and turn it into sin. To take your emotional response and turn it into sinful behavior. As we see later, to take your good things and turn them into idols. To take your hard times and turn them into godless times. The enemy is seeking opportunities to take you away from the goal of good soil. So don't be naive. Don't think that we can just cruise our way to the finish line in a marathon. It is a fight. But we don't be afraid. All throughout the scripture, if you read it, you know who wins. And it's not an even fight. You know, often in our movies, good versus evil is depicted as like a relatively even battle. But really, when you read through the scriptures, it is, doesn't read like that at all. It is like... God and the enemy, like, it's not a fair fight. It's not an even battle. And so God says, the Lord is faithful. In 2 Thessalonians 3, the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. As it says in 1 John, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In Ephesians 6, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. That God will give you armor to fight in. Not that you would win the battle, because that's already done, but that you can stand firm, that you can endure, that you can hold on till the end. So don't be naive, but also don't be afraid. The second warning we get is around our times of testing. In verse 13, it says that there are and there will be people who hear the word, 
who receive it with joy, but because it takes no root, they fall away in the time of testing. So once again, do not be naive. The Bible is clear that times of testing will come. It says in 1 Peter 4, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Do not be surprised. Just because the digit attains to the end of our calendar doesn't necessarily mean everything is going to go well for the rest of this year. There, there may and there could well be times of testing. Jesus said it this way, In the world you will have tribulation, but do not be afraid, but take heart. I have overcome the world, in John 16. Jesus says, do not be afraid. I've overcome this world. And the, the enemy will seek to use our times of testing, our struggle and our suffering. He will try to use those times to tell you that God has failed, that God has let you down, that God has forgotten about you, that God isn't really who he says he is. If you just read the first few chapters of the book of Job, it's really clear what the devil's playbook is in times of suffering. He tries to get Job to curse God. And he'll try and do the same in your times of testing. But Jesus says, like, no, take heart. I've overcome the world. I've won the battle. I'm with you and I'll never forsake you. And so we need to sink deep roots into his word and trust his promises that he is always with us and that even in our times of testing, we don't have to be afraid because he's doing something. See, we, we look around and we see bad news, but the word is still good news because God is still doing something. He can still be victorious in our times of trouble. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, and I know there's lots of verses. If you need references after, just let me know. But 2 Corinthians 4, Paul writes, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. God is doing something in your times of testing. Though it may be out of self, wasting away inwardly, he's renewing and he's preparing for us for your weight of glory, for an eternity that is far beyond all comparison. So remember, this isn't an even fight. God is with you and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So hold fast to him. And then in verse 14, we get the final warning in this parable, and that is of temptation. Luke writes, the cares and the riches and the worries of this life. In Matthew, it says the deceitfulness of wealth. In Mark, it says the desire for other things. Anything worldly that often is good can take us away from what is God. So once again, don't be naive. Good things. And to subtly and slowly turn them into God things. This is how Christopher Wright puts it. He says of idolatry, idolatry dethrones God and enthrones creation. Like just that is what the enemy is trying to do to dethrone God in your life and instead enthrone creation, created things. We are not ignorant of his designs. We need to be aware of what's going on, that the created things, that the enemy is trying to use them to enthrone and dethrone God. He says a great reversal happens. God, who should be worshipped, becomes an object to be used, 
Creation, which is for our proper use and blessing, becomes the object of our worship. So be aware how quickly that this river that flows naturally from our lives to something, it's meant to go to God, but it can quickly be diverted. So think about where your time and your thinking, where your money, where your energy and your effort, where are these things going? And be aware that there are thorns growing, seeking to choke the work of God. But, once again, don't be afraid. Paul makes it really clear, really clear in 1 Corinthians. He says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Paul is saying, flee from idolatry. Run the other way. And as you do that, God will provide a way of escape. I know I've experienced this in my own life over the last couple of months as I've been talking and working through some of the temptations and struggle that I face. And for a while there, it was like, you know what? I, I was struggling to believe this promise. Because I was like, way of escape, this feels like there is no escape. It feels like there's no way around it. But the reality was, I wasn't looking for the exit sign. I was quite happy in the room. I was quite happy just being there. And it wasn't until I was convicted and my flaws came to light that I was like, actually, you know what? Something needs to be done. And that's when I started looking for the exit signs. I started turning towards God and all of a sudden God proved himself to be faithful. God proved himself to provide a way of escape as he continued to lead me in his way. And so as difficult as it may be, I believe that there is hope for all of us in this world of temptation. We need to believe that, that God is faithful, that he provides a way of escape and that we can flee from idolatry. Which we will need to do if we seek to hold fast to the word of God. So don't be naive. Our sin is real, our battle is intense, but also don't be afraid for the battle is far from even. And God always has been, and God always will be victorious. So hold on to that hope. But lastly, I want to finish with, I think, where Jesus kind of lands with this passage. And it's often, we often sort of detach it from the parable because it's got a different heading in your Bibles. But Originally, it would have been one section of teaching. So I just want to have a read of verse 16 to 18, where Jesus gives a very clear instruction about how his disciples should apply this parable. So Luke, 16, Luke 8, verse 16, Jesus says this, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but instead puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has more, more will be given, and the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has, will be taken away. 
So did you get that? Verse 18. I think, yeah, highlighted there. Take care then how you hear. In this whole passage that we've read from verse 4 to verse 18, this is the only imperative verb, if you want to get into your Greek uh, grammar. It's the only sort of vital instruction that Jesus gives. He says, take care then how you hear. That we have this spiritual battle, we have times of testing, there is temptation and God desires for us to be good soil. And Jesus' instruction in all that is then, take care how you hear. And Jesus gives us three quick reasons why. I've been very structured this morning because I was a mess trying to get all my thoughts from this passage in mind. So for those of you who love that, you're welcome. For those of you who are like, what's wrong with this guy? Um, bear with me. Verse 16, Jesus says, Take care then how you hear, for others will see the light. As he says, we've been put on this stand. We're like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So let, you know, it says that in Matthew 5. So let your light shine. And abiding in God is the key to bearing fruit. Fruit is not something you just muster up in your life, but it starts by hearing well. And fruit is also not something that a tree bears for itself. You know, we talked about this last year, is that trees don't bear fruit for themselves. It's always for others. Know that God is going to produce his fruit in you. Love and joy and peace, but that's not for you. That's for others. That's so that others would see the light. God will lead you to good works. And once again, that's not for you. That's for his kingdom, his glory. God will lead you to shine and to share the good news. And once again, that is not for your own you know, little tally in heaven. That's for God's glory and God's kingdom so that others would see the light. And then in verse 17, Jesus says, the second reason why we take care is for we will be exposed. You know, Jesus uses some tricky sort of double negatives, but essentially what he says then is what is hidden will be made known. And what is secret will come to light. And I think in the context of the parable, what Jesus is saying is, your ground will be discovered eventually. The soil of your heart will become known. The lack of roots will be made manifest, or the thorns will become evident. Just because things look good on the outside doesn't necessarily mean things are right on the inside. And that's a warning for us that, that God doesn't just want things to look good. God's not just concerned about your public life. He's really concerned about your private life. He doesn't want just the actions and the behavior. He wants your heart. And that's where he's looking. And so it's a warning for all of us, and it's an encouragement for all of us that don't just play this game, but sink roots. Get rid of the thorns in your own heart and in your own life, for our lives will be exposed. Eventually, the ground will become known and will be judged accordingly. But perhaps the greatest invitation and the greatest warning is there in verse 18. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Essentially what I think Jesus is saying here is that those who hear well will hear more. Those who hear poorly will be hardened in their heart. 
as Scott alluded to in his talk, you know, that, that Jesus speaks in these parables and people don't understand. People don't hear. And that's the nature of the Word of God, is that either you are softened by it or you're hardened by it. As the Word of God goes out, you're either drawn to it or you're repulsed by it. But the beauty of the Gospel is that Jesus turns to his disciples and he says to you, It has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. And when you think about the disciples, they didn't earn that spot at the table. They were a ragtag bunch of guys, uneducated, from all different walks of life. And Jesus says, I choose you. Come and follow me. I'll show you the way of life. And he says to them, I'll give you the secrets to the kingdom of God. You will know the truth and the revelation of who God is. I believe the same is true for us. That as God chooses us, he invites us by his grace to to know, to know the truth, to to receive the revelation of God, the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And it's not a matter of intellect or social standing. He says to you, it's been given. And our role then is to take care how we hear. Such an important message, such a great message of good news and life. And so take care then how you hear. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. I remember when I finished year 12, sort of post year 12, I had a group of friends at school and then they invited me to hang out. But I wasn't super keen on their version of hangout. So I said no. And two weeks later, they invited me again. I said no. About a month or so later, they invited me again and said no. And you know what happened? They stopped, they stopped inviting me. Stop asking me because I kept saying no. I've been, if you want to use the past, I've been sort of hardened to the message. And uh, what I've learned is that the more you say yes to invitations, the more invitations you get. <laughs> happens in life and I believe every time we hear the word of God is an invitation for us to respond. And we can respond poorly by rejecting it, by not applying it, by just letting it go in one, ear, in one ear, out the other, by just moving on quickly and not reflecting. Like, we can respond poorly to that invitation. And it makes sense then that our hearts are then slowly hardened to that message. But Jesus says, if we say yes, if we hear well, we will hear more. And we'll continue to know more of this truth and to continue to know more of the secrets of the kingdom of God, to know more of what this message is all about. And so I want to encourage us this morning to cherish this word and to treasure it and to hear well. Not just here on Sunday, but each and every day. Make resolutions about how we're going to hear the word of God. That we decide, you know what, when I come to church and we're going to hear the message, I'm going to come expectant ready to learn, ready to listen, ready to get something out of it, regardless of who's speaking. You know, when i at home in my room, I'm going to open the Word and I'm going to dive into God's message. I'm going to read it, regardless of how I feel. If I'm encouraged by something, I'm going to share it with someone else. I want to go deeper. I want to be on sort of the, the mission field, sharing this message and learning more about it. That the good news would be a natural part of our language and our conversation. That we wouldn't just talk about sport all week, but would actually find ways to talk about the message of life. 
And as we make decisions about how we hear it, I also want to encourage that we'd also think about how we're going to respond to it. That like for me, as I learn to, when I get an invitation, try and make my default yes rather than no. It's really hard. But it's like, I want my first yes. Like if you say it, I'm going to obey it. If you, if you inspire something, I'm going to move and act. If we feel the Spirit working, that would actually move with that. If we feel convicted about our sin, about our lives, that would actually deal with it. And we wouldn't just hear it and let it go. But actually take care of how we hear. For I believe God has spoken to us. And God will continue to speak. And his message is good news. And how we hear that word, how we hear that message, is going to be one of the most important things for our lives this year. So I just want to give you just a moment this morning. And just to give you a minute or two of silence, just for you to reflect in your own heart. To hear that word, take care then how you hear. What does that mean for you today, this week, this month, this year? Maybe there are some decisions that need to be made about temptation or about our times of testing or the spiritual battle that we're in. Maybe we need to consider what it means to be good soil and ask the Holy Spirit to nurture that in our life. I just want to give you a couple moments. Take care how you hear. What does that look like for you? So Heavenly Father, we just want to um, invite you by your spirit just to sink this word deep into our hearts, that you would encourage us, that you would call us, that you would convict us, that you would, not for ourselves, God, but for you, for your glory, for your kingdom, for you are worthy of our spiritual ears, tuned to your voice, for your message is good and is life. So God, we pray that you would do that in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, we're going to wrap up by singing this song.